Yo, we are back like cook crack. Yes, folks, it is episode seven, meeting of the gold mines, and we got a special one uh, for you today. You guys know me. I am Born Rebel, aka Zen, the degenerate of this purple and gold mine squad. I got the Poppy Chulo himself. He is here. He's not loved in New York, but he's loved everywhere else. Mr. Tony Vega at Bald Mojito. What's up, brother? What's on your PGM? What's up? <laughs> What's on my PGM, bro? Send. So wait, let me no. Give me, give me a second. Give me a second because like, what's in my PGM? Like, it's like, where, where is this? You, you had an amazing post. It kind of encapsulates what I'm still thinking of. Yes, read that. Uh, read that post. There's, there's multiples here. And I'm sending prayers to all the Knicks fans. If that's what you're depending on in your upcoming season, good luck with that. New York's forever. Yeah, that that that's a great one. And I think there's another one which you had, which again, epic. Send Brunson and Hart back to New York from the Philippines by bus. By bus. By yes, bus. By Specifically bus. by bus. By bus. <laughs> yes. You should be ashamed of yourself for exposing your hot garbage on the world. Yeah. You know, it's one thing. It's one oh thing to, to to show to you the North America that hot garbage. But to expose that to the world and feel proud of yourself, hey, New York, it's uh, 50 years and counting. Uh, you guys fucking suck. Yeah. Um, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no Brunson top three spaces out there. There's no hyperbolic no. shit. But uh, nah, it's good. I'm good. Good, good game. Um, I'm on my high right now. So yeah, all good, man. Yeah, Jalen Brunson is not him, but you know who is him? It is our coach, our brother, the person with the Lakers uh, tramp stamp tattoo, Mr. KB Brown at KBBRWN22 on X slash Twitter. KB, what's up? I know you're just waking up, so hello, sunshine. What's on your PGM? Yep, just waking up, was able to watch the full game of Team USA, almost broke my television screen while cussing out Coach Career at the same time. Um, uh, you guys know that saying that Stephen A. Smith likes to say about New York, New York stand up. Uh, well, New York sit down, because Jalen Brunson, we can see that your ass still can't play defense to this day, and never will be able to. So that's why you got benched for the rest of the game. I think it was after the second or the third quarter, he didn't see an ounce of time on that court, and if he did, that's a disgrace. Um, Coach Kerr, um, before you know, before you move on from me, uh, just a little side note: never put Bi at, number, at the uh, power forward position again. If you're going with scoring and you're going to run your point of attack through Ant Man, then do that. But make sure you have Brunson on the bench because the only person that knows how to play off ball like a smart basketball player that's an overall good player is Austin Reeves. So please stop, stop look, the cat. Look, I'm just gonna say. I'm I won't be surprised if um Edwards and our guy Austin Reeves are show up on the um injury report uh for injured backs for carrying around those fucking Knicks. Amen. But we're gonna get into the game in a sec. We got a very special guest. All right. He is probably one of the biggest 
he is the greatest receipt keeper in all of NBA Twitter. Um, the trolling is like at a masterful level. He is the president of the George Carl Appreciation Club. This is Lakers Guru. You can hey, follow man. him at Gurus Lakers on Twitter. Guru, Lakers Guru of Late Night Lake Show. He is a longtime Laker fan. We have him for episode seven. What's up, brother? How are you, man? Good to have you. Hey, man. Thanks for having me, y'all, man. Uh, y'all got the energy going, right, um, man? It feels good. Um, you know, I don't know uh, if y'all in any of y'all in Cali or not, but waking up, you know, with this hurricane on this hurricane watch and uh, getting able to, you know, able to wake up to some basketball and uh, see Austin Reeves play basketball. It's not too bad. It's not too bad. I'm not going to complain much. Uh, I was complaining when Kerr had him out the game, but that's about it. I'm not going to complain too much more than that. You know what, man? There's another tweet that we put out during the game. It's uh, fire Steve Kerr and hire Jim Park. Uh, the Warriors are going to need that Jim Park, Jim Park offense. All right, so hire Jim Park ASAP. America needs you, Jim Park. Um, <laughs> but we are recording this on Sunday afternoon or Sunday morning, West Coast. Um, right after the game just ended, USA versus Germany. It was a close one. It literally, we didn't, the game wasn't, I didn't get comfortable until the last minute of the game. Uh, Germany, they actually had a nice lead for much of the second half. We won 99-91. And there's only three players that we need to credit with this game. Tyrese Halliburton of the uh, Pacers. Um... Austin Reeves of the Los Angeles Lakers, you already know, and Anthony Edwards of the the Puppies in Minnesota. Um, yeah, it, what Anthony Edwards had thirty four points in the game. Um, we we couldn't get a box score, but uh, no, Anthony Edwards had no. Yeah, what was it? Anthony Edwards, I think he had thirty four in the game. He literally dominated. At one point, it looked like he went down in the end with the injury. Um, but Austin Reeves, they got that bench mob that is they I don't know why they're not in the starting lineup, but Austin Reeves, um, he definitely did his thing once again. Clutch threes, clutch defense. Uh Guru, what's your thoughts on the game, man? Man, you know what? I'm I'm not gonna be uh, you know, this Lakers Homer as I typically am, you know, I'm going to get to that, but I think you, you got to start off crediting, um, you know, Ant, uh, because he's just a killer out there. He's a killer out there. And, you know, us as Laker fans, you know, we've seen that a lot. And, um, when, when the game was in the balance, uh, you know, he was one of the guys out there that wasn't afraid and that was just decided you know, we're not losing the day. So um, incredible shot making and just, you know, I mean, having the moxie to even take those shots, he's so young. And so that was, that was really good to see, but, but now I'm going to my Laker Homer side and I have to say, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know. I, I tweeted this out. Austin went out. Lakers were only down three. When Austin came back in, they were down 16 I'm not, I'm not a mathematician, um, but within about two minutes, they were back within three. Y'all do the math. 
<laughs> and Tyrese Halliburton obviously had a you know critical role in that as well. But there's something to be said for synergy and mesh. Um, and, you know, a couple of guys, a lot of guys on this team have it. And then there's a couple guys that are on the outs. Uh, you mentioned some names already, Rebel, and I'm not going to repeat them because, uh, you know, uh, they're going to come for me. <laughs> no, abs- absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, like, KB, I know you got some thoughts on this game. Where you at, brother? Man, look, I agree with what everything Guru said. It's it's not the point that, you know, that we, you know, we were down by 15, 16. It's, the, it's just rotations, like lineups. I don't understand how you're going to put Jalen Brunson and ben, Brandon Ingram on the floor at the same time because those are two ball-dominant players. Like, it makes zero sense to me, and they don't know how to play off ball. It just it doesn't make sense to me. Like I was saying before we even started the recording, like I was saying, if you're going to go with the all-scoring lineup, then do that. But if you're going to go with a point-of-attack offense, like they were going with Ant-Man because he was hot and he was literally like leading the team, 34 points, I think at the end of the game, if I'm not wrong, guys. If I stand corrected, please correct me. But you have to look at the – just look at the, how the game's going. If you guys are running your offense through Ant-Man – Okay, Brunson, you need to either cut to the basket or get off the floor. And I kind of think that's what they that's where they went to. They just subbed them off, which is perfectly fine. Um when they had when they brought in uh Halliburton, at least at least he cut to the basket. When they had Austin Reeves, Austin Reeves knows how to play off ball because he plays with one of the greatest players, if not the greatest players of all time in LeBron James. So he knows he has to be in his spots. And when he's open, he has to hit those shots. So I don't know. Like, it frustrated me because I don't know if this is Coach Kerr just doing the, well, this is the line we're just going to show them and then we'll, we'll, when the actual, you know, real games actually matter, I'm going to switch up the lineups, but that makes zero sense because I understand a lot of people think Brandon Ingram put on a lot of weight, but against these European basketball players, they don't call fouls as easily as they do in FIBA. They just don't, not in the NBA. So it's like... I don't know. It was frustrating watching B.I. play the four, but just get boxed out constantly. And you're just leaving J.J.J., who's the like the biggest foul merchant in the NBA, on an island. So it's like it makes zero sense to me because when you put Paolo Bancaro next to him, like another 6'10 guy, he has somewhat of like some kind of help. But, yeah, it kind of just seemed like Coach Kerr, I don't know what they were doing. But, yeah, don't have Brandon Ingram and, and Mikael Bridges out on the floor at the same time. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, um, like I said, Jim Park offense. It might, exactly. uh, he, he's the new Dan Tony. Um, Tony, we watched this game in playback. Um, yeah, hop in our playback sometime, people. Uh, playback.tv backslash PGM fan cave. Tony, what were your thoughts on this game? It was a close one, man. It was a close one. Um, they were... I think down 16 at one point. Um, it was not looking good. Uh, but yeah, when they inserted Halliburton and then just Anthony Edwards just dominated the game. He he took over. And also kind of like it's 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 this thing of Austin Reese doing the little things, like the like the things that matter. Like I think he had a steal and then that turned into a three-point shot. 
for I think it was uh, Anthony Edwards or, or Halliburton. Like it's just again defense to offense. It's not it's not rocket science. Um, they do have like they do have to figure out the starting lineup. They really do like that. It's just a lot of ISO players. Way too many. Like uh, they're like we know who Brandon Ingram is, but he's just not fitting well. Bronson again, we we know who he is. Great players in a vacuum in their respective teams, but when you combine them, they kind of have to know how to play off ball. So, if anything, at this point, it kind of shows that if they want to be serious about this team, they do need to make a tweak or two on that starting lineup. But other than that, um, yeah, rather than Jim Park, why not just put Eric Spoelstra? You know, he's there. You know? No, Jim Park. Jim Park. I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> you saying, but yeah. Other than that, it was a good game. It was very entertaining. Um, also, credit to Germany. Like uh, France and uh, and Schroeder were on one. So yeah, and <laughs> we know we know who Schroeder is. So there there were points in the game that were like, oh, if we if we're seeing the revenge game from Schroeder, it better be now than. Not in the season. <laughs> you know, if he would have, if he, if Schroeder would have played like that for us during the season, I understand he's undersized. I think he still would have been a Laker. He played where he was actually trying to, it wasn't about him. He was trying to initiate the offense. He was trying to get guys in their spots. Like he was being a point guard. He wasn't, you know, it, what he wasn't playing like he was like, okay, I'm playing for a contract. So... I don't know, uh, but by the way, there, uh, shout out to Tim Cranges. He just posted a, a good stat here about uh, again. It's kind of hard to find stats about the the FIBA game, um, specifically this one. Um, but Reeves played the final twelve minutes and thirty eight seconds of today's game. The U.S. went plus nineteen in that time. Absolutely, just Absolutely. saying. Hey, you know what? But look. Um, yeah, I know the, uh, team USA, they got some, they got some cleaning up to do. They got to take care of some stuff, uh, if they're going to win, um, the FIBA cup and the FIBA world cup. And I, I'm not looking forward to us going against Canada. Uh, guru, what you, what you think our outlook's going to be going into uh, the FIBA tournament? Well, look, I think these games have been good tune-ups. Um, and it gives sort of, you know, sort of a litmus test for Kerr and the staff to figure out what's working, what's not working. Um, and that's, you know, that just to simplify it, right? That's how you go into things and you improve uh, your systems. What's working, what's not working. We know, as Tony said, um, we know that B.I. And, and Brunson in that starting lineup is not working. Um, whether you remove one or both. Um, it's not working. It's not working for starting games. It's not working for closing games. Um, what is working is Austin Reeves closing games. Um, what is working is getting him on the floor as soon as possible and as much as possible. What's not working is waiting until the two or three minute mark of the first quarter to get him in the game. Um, because you're losing by then, you know? So I think, um, you know, what he does is um, settle things, you know, again, just a different archetype of player, right? You're not, he's not a guy that's doing, doing heavy ISO stuff, though he can, and it's improved. Um, he's a guy that's 
it's just he's just making the right play nonstop. You know, most times he's making the right play. There's a play that occurred in that first half, I believe. It didn't. I don't know if it got much notoriety or, or hype, but um, you know, he kind of got to a spot like right above the free throw line, and then uh, I think it was Bridges cutting cutting baseline and. Reeves just finds him with a bullet underneath the basket, you know. Yes, yes, I remember that play. Yeah, I mean, just things like that. I mean, he's going to make those heady plays. And then, you know, I was talking about some of his off-ball work. Um, I think that, you know, we're the reason why you have to have guys like him in the game, guys like Bridges in the game, and, and, you know, some of these other just kind of like heady guys is because what they're doing off-ball, you know, I, you know, I, that's all I watched, like in the second watch, but in the first watch, I, I, you know, I don't watch, uh, FIBA games multiple times, but I'm speaking about Lakers basketball. Um, right. Of course. You know, uh, in the first watch, I, I, I look for that stuff sometimes too. And, and Austin just has a knack, you know, you know, he's getting switched off. He's, he's, uh, he's protecting the paint still. He's blocking guys out. Um, he's helping, you know, other guys that are disadvantaged and that's what wins you basketball games. And, you know, obviously we're not here to dump on these guys. They're all young. It's a young team, and that was the purpose of it. But when you have a high IQ player out there, he's going to help you win games like this. And uh, for Canada, I mean, I just think um, – I mean, is, who's who's suiting up for them? Do we know if Wiggins is playing? Do we know – like, who who is confirmed? Not Wiggins. They said uh, yeah. Jamal Murray dropped off because he yeah. had the rigors of winning the championship. So right. It's I know literally only S. So SGA, um, we also, there is, um, shit, 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 what's uh, name? RJ is there too. RJ, RJ Baird okay. is there. Okay. Um, freaking, you know, the dude who likes to freaking, you know, uh, what was it, troll everyone, uh, who's on the Rockets, what's his name? I can't even remember his name. Reminds me of an uh, ugly uh, rug rat. Uh, Dylan Brooks. Uh, Dylan Brooks, there you go. Um, so he's on there, you feel me? Reg Tar looking ass, motherfucker. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean it should be it should be solid. I think um I, I think this was the tougher game. I think this was the tougher game. I think we'll be okay. And if we're not, you know, and you guys put this clip on and, and uh say I jinxed us, then you know Oh no, I, we, we we're not gonna do that. <laughs> we're not gonna do that and either way um, it'll be gold. <laughs> oh yeah. Well we never know. Uh we you you do have a reputation out there for, for jinxing, but uh you know, but real quick, I, I must, you know, I would not be a good person if I didn't shout out, uh, you know, Tommy Pickles and the rest of the Rugrats. Um, but yeah, it's what, look, we got some cleaning up to do. I think Canada is going to be our biggest uh, opponent, our toughest opponent, and we'll see how it, um, we'll see how it goes. But, um, but speaking of uh, big and, you know, just, you'll see where I'm going. Speaking of big. You know, we're going to have we have to talk about James Harden. And the reason why I say speaking of big is because he already ordered that fat suit and he got that nutty professor fat suit that, uh, you know, that he's ordering. Um, yo, he Mr. Four, Mr. Four Trill Burgers himself. Uh, that was the news of the week. Um, James Harden, he uh he let it. It was a you know he was in China doing some uh, promotional work, and he let it be known he's not going to be part of any organization that Daryl Morey is a part of. Um, this is straight from you know from his mouth. 
He, um, this is no more just wanting to leave or requesting a trade. Like, you know, now we're getting into some hostile territory. Um, Guru, what's uh, how you how you see the situation playing out? I think he ultimately gets traded, and I think they end up taking pennies on the dollar. I think, um, you know, teams do this often where you, you know, you try to say the opposite. You try to bluff just because you're not happy with whatever offer you receive. And if you're the Sixers, it's still early in the summer. No reason to jump at an offer. I think no matter what happens, they're not getting anything um, for James Harden. And and um, and you're going to have to take an L. Um, I don't I don't think there's any way they just go into the season because you know the elephant in the room is uh, Joel Embiid, and um, if you can't put a good team around him, you at least have to make sure he's comfortable, right? And if he's not comfortable, then no one's comfortable. So I just feel like this ends at some point. And I feel like uh, Philly has to take an L on this deal and then maybe try to look towards another deal uh, to actually improve the team, a separate deal from James Harden maybe. So, um, I, you know, this topic, man, I'm, I'm sorry, guys, uh, uh, Rebel KB and, and, and Tony, this topic is a sensitive one for me um, because James Harden slander is part of my magnum opus. Um, it's one of my purposes <laughs> in life. It's, it's, I, I feel like I was designed to slander him. Um, and, uh, and it's not, it's not by choice. Uh, they well, let's, this uh, path. Well, you know what? Let's dive into that real quick. I because... mean, the, the, the origin story is, is very, very simple, man. They said his name in the same sentence as Kobe Bean Bryant. And, uh, I remember that. I remember that. That was disgusting. <laughs> he put. He had fifty something points, sixty points in a game where he shot twenty free throws and twenty three pointers, and they acted like it was the first time they had ever seen it. And I never forgot that. I never forgot that, and I made it my sole purpose. Well, well, you know, I I'm glad that uh, you brought that up because because uh, you know this episode, folks is dedicated to Kobe. We're going to be talking about Kobe in a minute. But um, but this James Harden thing. So in a previous episode, I got into a little back and forth. I don't know if it was on playback. I think it was on our playback. I got into a back and forth with uh, some of the PGM guys because that video that was end up tweeted, that was tweeted out of him grabbing the four burgers at the club, the four Trill burgers, I was told that, hey, he could have been grabbing it for other people. Uh, like, you know, he could have been the one to grab the, you know, grab the burgers for the group. And he was taking it back to them. And I said, look, if I'm going to, if I'm in a group and I'm going to the club with James Harden, James Harden is not going to be the one to fetch the food. It will probably be me or just anyone else. He's not, you know. Yeah, he's not going to be the person to fetch the food. I said, look, he grabbed two burgers for the club and he grabbed two on the road. Um, you know, you think he was taking the, the burgers back to the group or that was just all for him? Wait, this is a question for me. Yeah, it's a question for you. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I was I was on mute and I was laughing the whole time. 
uh, you were talking. <laughs> the, I actually just found out about Trill Burgers, and so that's what makes this even funnier for me. But um, but I, I no man, I, I think that um, I, I, I'm with you on your theory. I think that he may have just you know look. I'm sorry, but you know, I, I grew up and I had a bunch of black uncles and, and aunts at a, at a barbecue or wherever there's food, and nobody just makes a plate for right then and there. Nobody You're thinking about days ahead of feeding yourself. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Now, now, to his credit, maybe he didn't plan to eat it all in one sitting, so we'll have to give him that. But there's no way those were all for him. At one point or another, and and I, and I will say this to his defense, they are steak burgers, so you know they're the ones that they're a little th- thinner than the the average hamburger. He could have been taking that into consideration as well. That oh shit, you know, th- like there's certain ratios to this. There's like you know, so I in his defense, they are steak burgers. They're not hamburgers, so you know and. And 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 you know what? I'm all for players doing what they want to do in the summer. But if, a... you have, if you have a pattern of showing up to camp not in shape, it looks funnier in the light. I'm sorry. No, guru. That's what that's what I was gonna say. Like I don't I don't even agree with that. Most to be honest, like during the off season, y'all need to be on a strict diet too. Maybe you have your two week vacation, but or you know three week for like a month or something like that. But you still need to be on a regimen, like like for James Harden. As far as as, as he has had too many fat suits in his career to even be like, I could take a day off. Nope, you can't. You just can't. It's just it's it's nasty. He grabbed in that video. He grabbed what six trail burgers? No, he grabbed no. Initially, no. Initially, he grabbed three. He grabbed three, and then he thought about, oh, I'm gonna do one more. Yeah. So. Three wasn't That's enough. Nasty. He said, oh, let me grab one more. So, um, but KB, yeah. he, but we've seen this episode before, right? I mean, we yeah, saw sure. this when the when he was in Houston, and it took the Lakers going in with back to back sets, right, and a no look mm-hmm. shot from LeBron James. Um, but remember, he had not worked out or or done anything in regards to his body at any point that year because he did not want to be there. He will absolutely do that again for Philly mm-hmm. and come in and play half-ass and just not care. And what do they want? They want him to quit on live television like he did after we sent them packing? Yep. He's capable of this. So that's all I'm saying. Right. So uh, my question to, uh, going leading up to that, and I'm pretty sure you're probably already going to go there, but um, for our CB uh, you know, enthusiast and Tony, can he do what he did with the Houston Rockets and the Nets with this new CBA. So technically he, so James Harden hasn't shown up for training camp. He's always shown up. It's it's like Guru said, is how he sh- he's going to show up, like out of shape, not really caring, all of that. With the new CBA, you kind of can't do like the Ben Simmons route where it's like not show up. Because if you do that, then it's like, okay, well, you can get bought out, you can do all this, but doesn't mean you're gonna sign out. You're gonna sign to another team. So Harden has to play it correctly, and I think he's gonna show out to to training camp. It's just, it's gonna be with a fat suit. It's just gonna be with a fat suit, and and to 
you know, and 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 hey, to to Guru's credit, to um, what he said about do they need to move him? Yeah, they do need to move him. But the question now, like, this is how, and and this is how messed up the Sixers situation is. They now have to move from that situation, pivot, and then please, Embiid in the process. That's hard. To that do. just that seems That's, like an impossible task. It, like it really does, does because if you think yeah. about it, look at that roster. It looks worse than it did last year. And on top of that, you're taking mm-hmm. away Harden. So depends on what you get. If you get pennies on the dollar, then it's like, what are you going to do in, ter- in terms to make this a championship roster? At that point, you're closer to a rebuild than you are a a championship-level team or something of the sort. So it's, it's yeah, uh, Maury has really destroyed that team in my opinion, but. Yeah. I mean, do you yeah. guys think there's any way that Maury just kind of like gives it up? He gives up that extension? Is that is that kind of the way to fix I, this? Oh, you know what? You know what I, will, I will say this. The fact that the NBA has launched an investigation mm, into yeah. this, that tells me a lot. This is no more than just like a hearsay thing. I think... Um, I think there's something there because, uh, and I said this, um, you know, in our spaces and stuff, I said, you know, they have a personal relationship. Last season, James Harden left 13 million on the table. To help the 76ers. To help the 76ers and to say, hey, look, I'm going to opt out of this. I'm not going to pick up my player. Sign a PJ Tucker. Defi- yeah. Oh my. You God. know, PJ Tucker owes him money. Add, 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 add some context to it. Like, 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 it's not yes. like to help the pictures. Yes. It's like I was I PJ. But, yeah. Hey, hold on, is hey, it Tony? But but he's legendary though. PJ Tucker's legendary with a shoe game. Right. Yeah, yeah legendary shoe game. Yeah. No, <laughs> James Harden needs to just uh to back up the truck and just say, hey, hey, all those. I need the ones. I need the ninety sevens. I need the ninety fives. <laughs> all your retro elevens. I need all, exactly. all of those. Just lead lead him with some uh like some you know some L.A. gear. Just leave him with the L.A. gear. That's it. Damn. <laughs> so i just have a question for everybody on here and guru if you want to answer first because i know you're probably used to dealing with this when it comes to a lot of these dis- uh, uh you know disgruntled like stars in the nba out of all people why do they keep linking the lakers with james harden like that's disgusting we don't want him you know why because um Again, it's that same principle. Um, if you want people to pay attention to your athlete's drama, if I'm an agent, I'm going to leak his name to the Lakers. I don't care if there hasn't been one single conversation because I know that that's going to get clicks. I know that that's going to get traction. And I know that that's going to get whatever narrative I want to say. Uh, it's going to get, you know, it gets the people going, right? It's provocative uh, to quote, you know, our Laker fan, a fellow Laker fan, Will Ferrell, right? So um, I know that that's going to work. I don't think that there's anyone, you know, that's connected to this that actually believes that. There may be some fans out there that like to peddle that. I don't, I, we should, we should get them checked in somewhere, stat. Um, but. <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. I gotta interject here. I am one of those. No, no, 
Hey, hey, no, 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 it's okay. It's okay. I'm going to, I'm 10 toes down. I'm going to stand on it. Yes. Based upon our current players at point guard, if it can work numbers wise, I would say uh, bring in James Harden. I Like th- there is nothing that D'Angelo Russell does um, that James Harden, like he can't do anything better than James Harden. Yeah. Crickets? Crickets? Okay. I'm just okay. <laughs> But here, you are right. But he can't do anything on the court better than James. But he can do better for our salary books better than James. True. True. Look, if he could look, all I'm saying is that numbers wise, Tony has made it clear he's our salary cap guy. Numbers wise, it can't work. It can work. It does. Yeah. But I'm saying that if I personally believe James, this is how I kind of see this scenario. They got to keep Embiid happy. They, they like that's their biggest thing. They got to keep him happy. I think, I think, um, I think James go to uh, Portland. I think James go to Portland. They already signed, they already drafted um, um, Dame Scoot. Lillard's, uh, rep- they already drafted Scoot. They already drafted Dame Lillard's uh, replacement. That's why he won out of there. I think they trade him to Philly. You trade him to Philly, you keep uh, Embiid happy. You trade uh, James Harden to uh, Portland. Um, You're already in a rebuild. You sign Jeremy Grant to a big extension. You got Scoot, who uh, now is your starting point guard. You buy James Harden out. You get get that money off the books. And you're now in a rebuild. You got to... you got a Chauncey Billups, who a young coach who's going to develop the team. Uh, that that would be perfect for him. Um, and then all of a sudden, James Harden is on the buyout market. Hmm. Like the, I don't see it go, working with the Clippers. He wants to get back to LA. I don't see it working with the Clippers because you already have too many guards. Um, it doesn't like you know like that's not going to do anything for him. Um, with the Lakers, it's just something to explore. And then he would be motivated. He'll be happy. And you say, hey, can we get a motivated James Harden for four months? Just saying. It, I've seen crazier things happen. Look, um, I mean, if he wants to come here um, in on a J.R. Ryder, Mitch Richmond type energy, like, 2026 last hurrah to try to get a ring um but really doesn't play then okay (laughs) (laughs) well we shall see we shall see uh look i am i already told look there will be a video pretty soon i'm going to houston next month and i am planning to walk up to the counter and say i need a james harden special hopefully they'll know what it is just need that james harden special you now, video that, man. Oh, I that will definitely nasty. video that. Now, now that here's the thing. Nasty. Now, here's the difference. Here's the difference. I do plan to share that James Harden special with another person or two. It wouldn't just be for me. So I just want that to clarify that, hey, we're going to get the James Harden special. So hopefully they'll know what that means. Uh, but, yeah. So shout out to Trillberger. Uh, he guys should become sponsors soon with all that plug. 
Um, but yeah, um, folks, we are here. This is episode seven. We are recording this on August 20th, 2023. And in three days, August 24th, August 23rd, excuse me, Kobe Bean Bryant, it would have been his 45th birthday. Um, if you're following us on Twitter at Purple Gold Mines, um, same thing for YouTube, um, Instagram, and Threads. Um, you'll know that we have been doing a month-long tribute for throughout the month of August to Kobe Bean Bryant. We're calling it. We have called it the month of Mamba. Even on our playback, we've been doing monthly. I mean, nightly um, watch parties. Um, so yeah, it's been, we've been honoring his life, honoring his legacy. And so the fact that this week is going to be his birthday, also the day after 824, everyone knows that is Kobe Bryant day. We figured that, you know what, us as Laker fans, let's have an episode dedicated to him. Let's have an episode where we just talk about Kobe, um, We've talked about a lot of different things so far on this podcast, meeting of the gold mines, but um, yeah. So that's why it was great that, you know, we got Lakers guru uh, being a lifelong um, Lakers fan, being a Kobe fan, um, you know, um, taking almost taking it as an insult when a James Harden is brought up in the same sentence as Kobe. That's a no, no. Um, so yeah, um, I guess let's, let's start it off with, uh, Guru, Guru. Um, what was your first mem? when was the first time you heard about Kobe Bryant? Well, man, I'm, I'm, you know, we're, me and Kobe are not too far apart on a lot of things, but right. the only one I'll state on this podcast is, uh, you know, we're not too far apart in age. So I remember like. Kobe coming in to national fame, um, you know, that was around the time that I had just got to high school. So the first preseason game, you know, uh, I remember he did a, you know, a turnaround jumper. It looked just like how Michael Jordan did it, you know, uh, in, in the finals, the, you know, the previous year. And um, he made it. And, um, you know, we were going crazy. I remember going to school the next day and everybody talking about Kobe, you know, him going to prom with Brandy. That was a big thing out here. So, um, I mean, Absolutely. all that stuff, yeah, all that stuff is stamped in my brain. Um, so, you know, having somebody come in that young, so basically, you know, you feel like you kind of grow up with them and go through life with them. So, um, yeah, I mean, him having a 20-year Lakers career, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it goes beyond basketball at a certain point. So, yeah, man, I'm, I'm always down to talk about anything Kobe-related, man. Um, so, you know, whatever whatever, uh, whatever we get into, I'll probably have, have some. Oh, man, on. absolutely. I think for me, KB, I know you were younger. Uh, Tony, you got into basketball a little later. I know for me, the first time I heard about Kobe, like my my dad, he shout out to my pops. Um, he 
he would always make me read the newspaper, right? So I would have to read um before I could read like the the sports section, I had to read like other sections, the headlines or politics, whatever. Just practice I was a practice um you know my reading and I first heard about Kobe. I had to be nine years old. Um it was in the newspaper. Um it was the I guess it was the day after he had you know, announced that he's going, he's going to, you know, declare himself for the draft uh, or enter the NBA draft. And um, it was the first time I actually ever heard of the name Kobe. I'm like, oh, that's, you know, as a little kid, I'm like, okay, that's a weird name. And my dad told me is, ah, uh, it's actually named after a Japanese steakhouse. And, um, you know, so that was the first time I read about him um, was in the newspaper. And then from there, because of the names st- um, stood out, um, you know, I, it just, I paid attention to it. And then as a nine-year-old also had a big crush on Brandy. So I kind of hated on him for a little bit when I, when it was just like, man, you know, uh, he went to prom, he went to prom with her. So that was always funny. Uh, but you know, um, you know, Kobe's part of that legendary 96 draft class. I call it the greatest draft class ever. Um, I used to yeah. have the uh, news. You talk about newspaper rebel. I used to have the uh, yeah. the clipping where it's um, you know Iverson had like the full front page of him like sitting in the chair. Um, yeah, and I I saved that clipping for years. I saved it, and then it's like a smaller section dedicated to Kobe and the Lakers. Um, but you know Iverson coming out of Georgetown was a big deal at that time too. So um, you know deservingly so. Um, people didn't really know how good Kobe would be at that time. But yeah, I, I remember all that. It, 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 it's kind of stamped in my mind. Absolutely. Like this draft class, just to drop a few names for people that have forgotten. <clears throat> Allen Iverson, number one. Then you had Steve Nash. You had Sharif Abdurrahim. Uh, look him up, folks. Ray Allen. You guys, Adrunas Ilgowskis. You had Stefan Marbury. Jermaine O'Neal, Paige Stojakovic, Antoine Walker. Uh, ben Wallace wasn't even drafted, but he <laughs> he wasn't even drafted, but he ended up winning, was it, three or four defensive players of the years and, of course, a title in 04 over us. Um, you also had Marcus Camby in this draft. Um, and when it's all said and done, Kobe is proven to be the best player out, out of that draft, and he got drafted. Are, are we talking about the 96, right? 96 mm-hmm. draft. Yeah, we also had Steve Nash Yeah, 15. We had, bro, like, it's, yeah. It, it, it was a big, yeah. yeah. I would take that draft class over anyone. Oh, most definitely. Huge draft class, and like Zim, like you were saying, same thing Guru. Like, I came in learning about Kobe. I was, I think when Kobe, like, when they won their first chip, I was, like, in the third grade. So, it was just, uh, like, I just started looking at the Lakers. Um, I used to watch really, really, uh, just ties back into the story with my grandfather, uh, RIP. Um, he used to watch um, the clip, you know, old classic uh, Larry Bird versus Magic Johnson battles. So, watching those games, um, I learned so much about the Lakers' history, rival with Boston. It's always fuck Boston. Let's remember that. Um, and, you know, just what it means to be an actual fan of the Lakers. And I didn't, once I truly started getting into basketball, 
it's kind of funny because it happened right when I moved in with my father um, when I moved to Florida. And that was literally after the night Kobe Bryant drops 81. So it's like, dude, like I had to, I watched that game, just watching, you know, bucket for bucket. Um, I just watched the whole entire game again because they recorded it. And I literally fell in love with the game. I fell in love with Kobe. I fell in love with the Lakers. So it's just, yeah, it's, you know, we were always going to miss Kobe, but what he did for the Lakers and what they did by, you know, grabbing him up and trading, making that trade, that was probably like the great, that was the greatest move that I've ever seen in my lifetime. Cause it's just like Kobe Bryant. This is, this is not sad, man. He just reminds me of, he's just like the, you know what I mean? The prodigy or, you know, he succeeded over what Michael Jordan has done. But, you know, I just, I look at Kobe Bryant as being really, really, he, he had a big impact on my life. So that's, that's kind of where I'm yeah, you know, there was, <clears throat> I know, like, in the mid-90s, and Guru, I know you remember this, like, in the mid-90s, there was always that thing, who was going to be the next MJ. Um, first, it was, like, Penny Hardaway. <laughs> then you had, yeah, first, it was going to be Penny Hardaway. He was, and mind you, he also had the marketing behind it, because he had, you know, the, the pennies, he had the, the, crazy commercials with uh chris rock as like as little penny so he had the marketing machine his game was developing um you know then you had grant hill it was like all right they're gonna look at him as the next jordan um but kobe came in with just a different he just had like a different energy what was but those first couple of years right because i know he had the 98 all-star game where he went out when he went against Jordan and, you know, that was covered in the last dance. What was those first couple, before Phil Jackson got to the team, what was those first couple of years like with like young Kobe? Man. <laughs> well, well, first of all, you can't say, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the bit about the next Jordans, you can't do that without <laughs> referencing. Uh, they actually called him baby Jordan, Harold minor out of USC. Uh, he had that name while he was playing over here. <laughs> and um, the fact that most people that listen to this probably won't know Harold Miner is, uh, who, who Harold Miner is, is pretty funny, uh, considering, you know, how much we uh, heard that at the time. But, yeah, go look, look up Harold Miner, uh, baby Jordan, <laughs> see how his career went. But anyway, man, um, uh, Kobe, first couple years for me, um, it was exciting. Um, you know, and, and obviously, you know, those of you that kind of look back or research or, or follow know that he, he, look, Kobe had a 20 year career by definition, but in reality, for me, if you take away losing a couple years to injury, and then I, I kind of, you kind of can't count his first year for me, it, it looks more like a seven, a 16, 17 year career in, in real time, because, you know, he just didn't get to play. That was a different time. Uh, you already, you know, having a big man come out, you know, uh, and be that young was one thing. But a guard, never, never. So uh, that was not a thing. And you weren't, you know, uh, you know, shout out to Late Night Lake Show. And, you know, they recently did a pod with Nick Van Exel where he kind of confirmed that. Like, you know, they weren't really fucking with Kobe. They weren't trying to let him, you know, get ahead of them and play like that. And, and if coaches did put him ahead of them, they felt disrespected, you know. It didn't matter what he was doing in practice. So, yeah, that's just, you know, uh, the first year that almost doesn't even count. You know, you're playing 15 minutes a game. 
you're averaging what about seven points. I mean, you guys can fact check that, but I'm, I, if I remember correctly, it's 15 minutes a game as a rook. Um, yeah. And then the, the second season, by preseason, you know, shout out to Ben Wallace who you just mentioned. By preseason, uh, he the season opener couldn't even come soon enough, and um, Kobe was making waves and wrecking shop um, by the start of that second season, and you knew that that people were going to have to move out his way. So, you, you know, you get the all-star berth uh, but because the fans just love watching him play so much. And then after that, you know, Eddie, Eddie Jones, uh, you know, you think uh, Alice Caruso is a cult favorite right now or, or Austin Reeves is a cult favorite right now? Eddie Jones was all of that and maybe more. So imagine a guy being so good that's on the way that you have to literally trade an Alex Caruso or an Austin Reeves type player just to make room for him. And that was the significance of the Lakers getting rid of Eddie Jones. And so he, you know, that first year, the coach wouldn't let him play. But after that, he was coming and he was coming fast. Yeah. You, you know, it is crazy that a person who scored 81 points in the game averaged 8.2 points in his rookie season. That's just, um, you know, that is just, uh, that's just crazy. But he, you, like you said, you didn't get the, uh, he didn't get the opportunity. Um, you know, the thing with, um, yeah, the thing is with, um, with Kobe is just that, you know, he said it in the, all the smoke interview, it still pissed him off. He's like, man, can you imagine? Cause like, since numbers is such a big thing, could you imagine what um, his numbers would have been like if he would have got the opportunity? Um, would have been crazy. So shout out to George Carl for benching Kobe in the All Star game. Who knows? Game. But yeah, no, Bell Harris for more than Jordan. Shout out. Yeah, to Yeah, would have been crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so yeah, he didn't get that opportunity. So. Um, you know, one thing I will say is just that um, Kobe, he had this belief. Even when he was not getting the opportunity, he had this belief in himself that was just relentless. Where even when he was missing shots, even when he would try a move and it failed, he just had this this look on him that ah, shit, okay, I'll get it. I'll get it eventually. And then later, he definitely he he definitely uh, proved that to be the case. And even in that second season, uh, I guess that's the 97-98 season, that's where he had that, that famous game in December where he had 33, Jordan had 36. And what we just watched that game in early August as part of our, you know, watch party series – for Kobe and it was just the way Jordan Michael Jordan the ultimate competitor the person who would make up stories just to get a competitive edge he was really dropping knowledge like he was really in the middle of the game uh he was dropping uh knowledge to Kobe and that's where you knew yo it's something different about him if Jordan if Jordan is doing this and he didn't do that to everyone. You knew it was something different um, 
uh, about him. Uh, we got, uh, you know, KB just swapped out. We got uh, the Context King in here. Um, yeah, what was uh, what was your your memories of early Kobe, young Kobe, those first couple of years, uh, King? What's up? All right, so he comes in late and he doesn't speak right on time. Um, that's, that's yeah, that's moving epic. on, moving on. Um, you know, can't expect a seasonal guy to work a full time schedule. Uh, anyway, then Kobe, you know, then we move on to when Phil Jackson comes to the squad and we get that three peeps. Um, Tony, and then we'll go to the guru. Tony, let me ask you this. I'm a big Shaq fan. I say Shaq had the best three-year stretch. I will say of any player in the history of the league. Um, do you think Kobe gets enough credit for those first three championships? Uh, that is a good one. I think that's... So, if, if we look back at it, like I feel like Rookie was like Kobe was still looked at like a rookie to a certain sense. Like he was, he was like he has something to prove. But Shaq's dominance, and and mind you, like he was what doing movies, he was embracing the Hollywood culture. It, to a certain point, like at that time, at least I remember the focus was like it was on Shaq, like the unstoppable force. But then, if you look at the box score, if you look at the game, if you look closely like it's it's the combination it's that one two like the Shaq and Kobe and yeah it's it's it those championships can't be won without either one of those like that's that's how good they were like it's just the combination of them the and Kobe Kobe was showing us something special to 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 be honest like at, at the age of 22 just for that for that first championship and just and and I and I have it here, for that first championship, do you care? Do you care? Think of like what's what? What did he average? What maybe I like what twenty two? No, Kobe averaged um, fifteen and around fifteen in that first finals, and it's so funny because people bring this up a lot, um, and um, you know people forget that he actually was you know injured on purpose. Uh, like a few minutes into one of those games, missed a whole another game. Um, like basically, I think um, played played like maybe less than ten minutes in one of those games to kind of throw the average off. But no, you're right. I mean, Shaq. Uh, you know, not to steal your point, but Shaq was, um, you know, obviously just dominating. Um, but I, you know, there was one. There's one caveat of that that I would like to point out. But I'll, of course, I'll, I'll let you finish your point. No, 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 go, go ahead, go ahead, go, 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 go ahead, go, go oh, ahead. Yeah. Oh, no, I, so, you know, just in terms of consistency, right, Shaq's, Shaq's role is obviously that consistent force, and uh, the Lakers are there, but make no mistake about it, any close game throughout that, any playoff series in that three-point, three-peat run, um, in the fourth quarter, Lakers abandon the triangle, and they put the ball in Kobe Bryant's hands. And whether Shaq was finishing the play or Kobe was finishing the play himself, that's how they won when the game was hanging in the balance. They put the ball in his hands. Um, and then even, you know, people kind of 
redact what happens even before you get to the finals. Those Western Conference series against the Spurs, um, you know, and and this, and um, Spurs and Kings at that time, those were harder than the finals. <laughs> the finals were they, they used to say the Western Conference Finals were the finals during that three peak run because yeah, the East, absolutely East was so weak at that time. So you know that two thousand two Kings team was probably the most talented team that that Lakers squad Shaq and Kobe ever faced together. Um, you know, and I, I mean, people don't remember Kobe being the one to call Shaq in the middle of the night before game seven, they're going on the road to Sacramento to say, Hey, let's make history to get the, get the big fella up and motivated before the game. That stuff doesn't last the test of time, but that's what actually happened in real time. You know, Kobe is the one up in the middle of the night thinking about this game to the point where he calls Shaq and tells him, hey, let's go make history tomorrow. And they do. They go on the road and win game seven in overtime, I believe. So, um, you know, all that stuff um, matters. And you kind of just had to be there to know the exact significance and weight of what it was that, you know, the box score may or may not give you. Um, But, you know, yeah, I mean, but not to take anything away from Shaq. Man, Shaq was cold game, and there just wasn't any other players like him that could, you know, they used to keep four, four seven-footers on the roster for him. So, um, Yeah, yeah because yeah, there was like 24 fouls. 24 <laughs> fouls. Um, 24 fouls for Shaq is what you needed. Absolutely. So, you know, you know so. what? This is my favorite era of Kobe um, from, yeah, from about, what, 2000 or end of, like, what? you know, 99, 2000 season to about 2002. This is my favorite era of Kobe because it was just like, he has, he had, you know, he had the confidence in himself to be great, but he still hadn't, he still didn't put it all together. Like he was still learning, but he knew he would get there, but he wasn't there yet. So, and there was times that you just saw some flashes of greatness, um, you know. And the thing is, I will say that he provided a perfect balance to Shaq because of Shaq's size. You can also say, you know, physical condition. But the way Shaq was, Shaq was like, look, you know, because you had a team full of veterans: uh, B. Shaw, Ron Harper. You had Horace Grant for a year. Glenn Rice, the first championship. Um, you know, you had these guys, Rick Fox as well, Robert Ori, that it was like, hey, we'll just turn it on in the playoffs. But it was actually Kobe that was just like, nah, 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 let's play hard every night. So, like, you know, you had that one game against the Warriors, his first 50-point game. He scored 51 in a duel against Antoine Jameson. Now, the Warriors did win that game, but we're not in that game if it wasn't for Kobe. You know, so he definitely provided a balance to the squad because, um, you know, I think if it wasn't for Kobe, the Lakers could have ended up looking like the Miami Heat after that first championship. Like when the Heat won in 06 and Shaq, and then on ring night, they lost by 40 to the Bulls. If you you know if there wasn't a Kobe Bryant on the squad to keep everyone pushing, 
keep everyone motivated and then also outworking everyone, it would have been ugly. I don't think there would have been a three-peat. Um, obviously, Shaq was doing his business. He was crazy. But Kobe was needed. He was necessary, you know. I mean, think think about it this way. Look look at the team. Look at the construction. And especially that first team. That's one of the few teams in, what, 20 years since then that that 2000 team that was, what, ranked 20th in defense or 20-something, and they actually won a championship. Like, that's – like, it was all due to basically the offensive juggernaut of that combination of Kobe and Shaq. But it's like – Shaq had his dominance, but right there next to him, it was Kobe at age 22 doing that. Like that's, that's special, man. Like that's, that's, that's the thing that, that people kind of don't, don't acknowledge like at 22 and you're technically right there on par with that dominant force of nature that is Shaq. Yeah. Yeah, Tony, because what what stands out to me is, again, Shaq just consistent over and over again. Right. But then in terms of actually taking over a game with flurries, with a barrage, the you know, the types of plays that absolutely demoralize teams. Kobe's been doing that since he was 20 years old. He was doing that at, at you know, you know how we see what Ant did today at his young age. That was normal for Kobe, you know, and so the the average obviously, you know, doesn't look sexy at that age when, you know, Shaq is option one, you know, it's going to be in the, in the low 20s, whatnot, all that stuff. But when it was winning time again, when it was, you know, time to win the game, this guy did this to, you know, over and over again, man. I'll never forget uh, Mother's Day 2001, you know, we're literally out with my mom for dinner and she knew, you know, she knows what time it is with me. So we had to have the game on, you know, um, we had to be at a place that had the game on it. And, you know, I remember then just seeing, you know, entire restaurant captivated with what Kobe was doing to the Spurs, uh, packing them up, getting them out of there. That was unheard of. You, nobody would have predicted the Lakers would have been sweeping the Spurs. That, that was not supposed to happen. And it happened because he demoralized them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, one thing about Kobe in that era, I would say 2099 to that, let's call it the three-peat era. He, you know, he had a lot of, like, contemporaries. And when I say contemporaries, you had Vince Carter. You had Tracy McGrady. Um, you had... You still had that 90s class that was, you know, still playing well. You had a great, a lot of great guards. You had Allen Iverson, obviously, who won the MVP in 2002. But as a Laker fan, as a Laker fan who was in Southern California, uh, Guru, what made Kobe different than those other guys? Because Kobe always had like this, he had like a flair, he had a style that was just different than those other superstar guards that, you know, who were his contemporaries. What was different about Kobe? And what was it like rooting for him during those times against those other guys like that, the AI and the Tracy <laughs> McGrady and Vince Carter? This is a great question, man. And, and I can tell you right off the bat what it is. When those guys came into town, 
Kobe absolutely knew that they were in town. He he looked forward to those battles as an opportunity to say, hey, everybody, um, yeah, this guy, I'm better than him, light years. And every time he would face up against one of those guys, now, I mean, obviously, those guys have had great battles with Kobe. You know, you can throw uh, Gilbert Arenas in there, you know, but all of those guys have had really good games, you know, versus Kobe, too. But one thing you knew for sure is he was coming at their neck. He was taking it as an opportunity to separate himself. So if Vince Carter, look, the world was in love with Vince's dunks at that yes. time. Yep. That still remains the best performance I've ever seen in a dunk contest. Yep. And, um, and you know, I remember next time after that, they came. I'm like, dang, Kobe's like super aggressive with this dude. He's like, he didn't want to let anybody have any light. Like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, no, nah, I'm better than him. Yep. Nope. I'm better than him. Um, you know, none of these guys are like me. And that's what I remember what it was like rooting for him. Um, it was not, you know, what we see currently where like everybody's kind of like, you know, just cool and hyping each other up and gassing each other. Like, I love that too. Don't get it twisted. But at that time, Kobe, nah, if those dudes were coming in staples, um, he took it as an opportunity to let the world know that they were not on his level. And even if it was only in his mind. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the thing is about Kobe is that Kobe and I, you can say you can, uh, you know, put this on like him growing up in Italy. He almost had like a European flair, like about him. Like he had this, just this unique, I'm going to say, aura about him that was different from other players. Like, even way the way he moved on the court, even with his sneakers, like, you know, um, you know the, the original Kobe's uh, for Adidas, um, even the fact that he spoke Italian, he just had a different flair about him. And it was this supreme confidence that even when AI was winning an MVP, Vince Carter was winning um, um, the dunk contest and half man, half amazing. People forget Vince Carter was so popular, folks, that he got more all-star votes than Michael Jordan. Um, and that and people like don't sleep on Vince Carter. There was a period of time when Vince Carter, you could argue that he was the most popular player in the NBA. And I'm not saying best. But I'm saying most popular. Um, and Kobe, he, you're right. You're right, Guru. He just had this confidence that it was like, look, you may make more money. You may be on more covers for magazines or covers on a video game. Uh, but, yeah, when we, go, when we go head up, when we're matched up against each other, I'm going to bust your ass. And, um, yeah, he just, it was just this competitive, but it was very subtle. With it, and it's like he knew his it wasn't time. Disrespectful coming. at all? It wasn't disrespectful. It wasn't disrespectful. It was more so like a challenge that you know yeah. what I need to get to that level. And it was just, it was almost like a checklist. Like, okay, I gotta, you know, he had his goals. Okay, I gotta. Tracy McGrady has his own team. I gotta show that I'm better than him. AI, I gotta show I have better than him. And there was a this was a period of time when. It was so heavy at the two guard, you know, um, 
it was so heavy at the two guard. It was a lot of great young guards. And then even between the small forward and the shooting guard position, you know, you mentioned Gilbert Arenas, you know, he was, you know, he was a hybrid. Uh, He had his battles against Gilbert Arenas. And let's not forget that also during this time, Jordan had came back for, uh, for that, for those two seasons. And he straight up gave Jordan the business. He gave, he dropped 55 on him. He dropped who gets, up, who gets up for a 40-year-old Jordan? Yeah. <laughs> it's like elder abuse, man. It was right. there, there was no abuse. reason to, man. Like nothing to prove there, no reason to. But he's he he made himself get up get up for it. You know, it's crazy, man. Like I haven't seen anybody do that consistently with anybody that gets put, you know, alongside them, just he's trying to kill, no matter who it is, trying to kill. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, after the three-peats, you know, um, I think after the three-peat, that 3 season, it was like the Lakers, they they really had, you could tell that they were getting tired. They That was a rough regular season for them. But then when they lost for the, to the Spurs in 3 in the playoffs, that was the first time I saw an athlete cry at least on the sidelines. I remember him sitting on the bench crying that they had lost. He was not satisfied that they, you know, hey, we already won three straight. He was crying. That was like, I don't, I've never seen an athlete take a loss. At least that was the first time I saw an athlete take a loss so hard. Um, You know, and most guys would have been cool. They would have rested on their laurels. Like, hey, we already won three, but. Um, that was just that competitive fire with him that I don't remember I mean, that I, you know, one of one. But shout out to Derek Fisher. That was the first yeah. athlete that I actually saw crying in the bench. Yeah. Yeah, it was Kobe and Derek, right? Yeah, it was yeah. them too. Yeah, they were both yeah, crying. Yeah. And for some reason yeah. I remember more Derek Fisher the than the image of crying. Derek is the yeah. image of Derek is is yeah, that one's etched in my mind too, Tony. Yeah, absolutely, but um, but you know what? If we're we're not necessarily looking at it as a timeline because he has a twenty-year career, but then the season after that, oh three, oh four, the Lakers revamped, and you know they got Carmelo and they got Gary Payton, who was both past their prime, but it was like, hey, it was a win now squad. Kobe went through some personal stuff off the court. We're not getting into that. Um, we're not getting into that. He was never, he was never convicted of anything. But one thing he did do that following season was that 0304 season. He kept the Lakers alive. Like I've the way he he would literally come in like Superman, arrive to the game late, and just just like he was taking out his frustrations and anger to end to that basketball court. Um, I remember the game against, um, the Nuggets, he comes through, end of the, he comes to the game, end of the first quarter, enters the game. He didn't shoot that well, but he hits a game winning shot, I think over Mello. Um, you know, what, what was it like? Um, what was it like that 0304 season guru? Cause it was a very heavy season for the Lakers. Like, a lot of drama going on, but what was it like for that season with Kobe and everything? 
Yeah, um, you know, the stuff with Malone in real time, that, that didn't stick out to me. I feel like that, I feel like I was either too young or maybe most of it just came out later. Um, what I what I recall sticking out the most, obviously, you know, the obvious, and then Shaq and Kobe's rift, um, you know, really, really kind of getting nasty, um, you know, and then Carmelone uh, just being old and injured, you know. I, I, I actually do remember having a problem then with how Fish came back in 01 and then, you know, um, he was injured for half of the, you know, the three P year, but, um, but I, I didn't, it, it didn't feel good to me that, you know, after such a great performance, you know, in the 2001 playoffs that we were putting him back to the bench um, when Gary Payton came on board, that didn't necessarily feel good to me. And, and Gary, I remember Gary Payton wanting to do his own thing and not really run the triangle. I do remember that in real time. So those are more of the things that stood out. Here's, here's specifically getting back to Kobe for that season. Yeah. He's a man on a mission. You know, Carmelone had a quote like, Oh, you know, before you know it, he'll be back to averaging 30 points and, you know, nobody will care or whatever. But, um, that, that is actually what happened, you know? Um, like yeah, he, absolutely. He, yeah. He was going nuts. And, um, and, um, you know, that was at that point, at that point already, um, you know, even though Shaq was still on the team, Kobe was by far and away the best player on the team um, at, yeah. at that point. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think with um, with Kobe, mind you, he was also going to be a free agent. And it was just like you knew that it was kind of like the end of an era because Kobe right. was going to go into free agency the, the the relationship between him and Shaq was at its all time worse. Um, he was going through, you know, his off the court stuff, but it's like, you know, I look at, I think it was the last game of the season against Portland and, you know, him being guarded by Ruben Patterson, you know, the AKA the, the Kobe stopper. Kobe hit that uh, game tying shot at the end of the fourth. Just like literally just like rap, just like, yeah. Kind of just like slides over, move around him, and then obviously that moonshot over Theo Ratliff to to win the game in overtime. Like he was on a, yo fam, he was on a mission. Like he was on a mission. He would not be stopped. Um, and, and Rebel yeah. and Tony, that was the game. After that falling down three over Theo Ratliff to cap to cap that performance. That was the game I actually remember saying in real time. I said, "This is this is the best player in the league. This yeah. is the best player in the NBA. Let you know that we're we're watching every night. Like this is this is crazy. This is not normal stuff, you know." And that was way back then. And then he went on to do <laughs> even greater things. So um, that for me, seeing that, yeah, I hadn't seen anything like that before um, watching the NBA. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You know what's funny though? Like that so to to add more more to that, in that time when I saw that, the only player that came to mind that was like something special was MJ. Like the the, the only comparison at that point for me it was yeah. like yeah, like bro, mm-hmm. this is this is our MJ of 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 this time. Like it's just yeah, because yeah. It, it 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 was special. It was really special. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. I wanna, I wanna ask because uh, uh, he's 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 back with us. 
uh, chasing number 18. Um, King, let me ask you this. Shaq and Kobe, do you think do you think Shaq needed to leave? And I want to ask everyone this, but I'm going to start with King. King, you think Shaq needed to leave for Kobe to grow as a player, or could he have been able to still grow with Shaq on the squad? Uh, no, nah, I don't think he needed to leave. Um, Kobe was going to come and, and shine no matter what. That was one of those stars that you just could not dim his, his glow. Um, I don't think it would have worked just due to the fact that that Shaq seemed like he wanted to do things his own way. And for the most part, it worked. Uh, but Kobe was kind of rigid in his in his preparation. And he kind of wanted everyone to kind of be in on that with him. Um, and if you weren't, he almost looked at you. He almost looked at you as a um, as something he's going to eventually get you onto that. And I don't think Shaq was ever going to move off of that. Um, so, yeah, I, I do mm. think it would have still worked. But, um, yeah, I don't I don't think they, he had to leave for Kobe. To, Kobe was going to Kobe was going to be Kobe no matter what. Um, I'm in the middle of reading his book. And, yeah, he was going to be he 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 had that mindset early of who he wanted to be. And there was nothing or nobody that was going to stop him at all. I hear you, Guru. You think uh, you think Kobe? You think Kobe? You think Shaq needed to leave for Kobe to keep growing? I, I think um, I think Shaq needed to leave for Kobe to um, reach the, uh, the 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 final level. Um, I do. I think um, I agree that uh, um, I agree that. He wasn't. Shaq would not have willingly um, just kind of taken a backseat, and I mean, he look. Shaq used to say publicly he had no qualms about saying Kobe was the best player in the world. Um, I don't know why people forget that, but Shaq said it all the time um, right. when they were on the same, same same team. You know, that wasn't breaking news then. You know, Shaq would say he's the, he's the best player in the world, like pretty pretty easily. And so, um, but I, I, I will say this, that, you know, it's easier said than done when you can see like, like would Shaq have been just kind of as happy as everybody else was to see Kobe reeling off nine straight 40 point games or four straight 50 point games? No, I don't think so. I don't think Shaq is built to take that lying down. <laughs> I think that Shaq, you know, he could have, him having to go to different teams humbled him. But I think if it was 2007 and Shaq was still in Lakers, Shaq would still kind of be, uh, you know, be have that entitlement, you know, and want that deference, I think. So um, I think that, you know, he had to go. And, you know, Lakers end up getting a piece back in that deal, Lamar Odom, that, you know, nobody was really happy with at the time and thought it was fair. But, you know, fast forward five years, and um, he's a central, you know, integral piece in another back-to-back title. So, um, yeah, I, I I think it happened the way it was supposed to. Absolutely. Tony, what about you? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, apologize if there's noise. But, um, yeah, the, um, I do believe <laughs> – um, yeah, I, like I agree – 
Yeah, it's it's my dog. She's she's on she's on one tit today. Um, but no, I do believe that um, Shaq had to go, and I think we had this conversation. Sort of was this conversation like episode three or two? I don't remember, but it's the um, Alpha and, and the oh Beta. yeah, Alpha and, yeah yeah because like you have two alphas here you 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 have the mentality that kobe is and you have the relentless like shaq was not in a mental space like he could say that he is that he is a that kobe's the best player in the world but he's not going to say to himself that doesn't mean that i should play along like i'm still the vocal point like he still wants to be the man in the team he still wants to be relevant and to a certain point you can't have that on the team you kind of have to have cohesiveness and also, Shaq, unless he actually prepared his body, slimmed down, he was he was getting fatter by the day. Like I think it was the Miami Heat, and that was it. Like that's that's just a fact. Fatter, fatter by the day is insane. <laughs> hey, hey, man! Like I I kind of I kind of remember I was I was in college, and I, and I'm like, yo, what? Well, maybe James Harden can. Uh, maybe James Harden can. <laughs> Uh, order the the Shaq size fat suit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, but that's that's the. Uh... You're right, Tony. You're right. He was not uh, trimming that body fat down unless no. Pat Riley made him. <laughs> Jesus, and I think that was the the reason why it ended quick. I mean, he started to get injured and. I think it only lasted what two 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 years in in Miami. Then he was no uh through. I want to say three and a half. Yeah, that's uh, a three and a half because the the he year he got injured. traded, the second year was the when they won the championship. Third year is when they got swept by Chicago, and then he got traded. So it was like three and a half years he was in Miami. Nice. Uh, I don't know. I kind of feel like he's. It was less, but anyways, if 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 I'm wrong, just uh just comment below that there. All right, Zen. But yeah, yeah. You, um, you, you know, I'll say this about Kobe and Shaq. I think Shaq leaving didn't make Kobe a better player because he was going to become that regardless. I think it made him a better leader. I think it made him a better leader. It, it also put him in a position where he couldn't, like Kobe used to say all the time. Like I, I remember reading a news article. I want to say in Time Magazine. Where he would say, "Hey, you know, I kind of I'm kind of isolated from the team because I'm younger. Also, I don't go out to the club like they do. So he kind of isolated himself, which I guess you can do that if you're not the leader of the squad. But with Shaq leaving, now he's in a position where he was if they were going to win again, and Phil Jackson now challenging him to be the leader. It's like, hey, you gotta bring the you gotta bring the troops together. You gotta bring your guys together." Um, and I think that's where Kobe gotten better, got better as a leader, not a player, which it's important because we've seen some great players that they don't have leadership skills. And I think that's where I don't think that would have happened had Shaq stayed or it would have happened. It would have been delayed, you know, because we knew Shaq would always was going to retire before Kobe or be done before Kobe. But, yeah, that's where I say it was necessary for uh, Shaq uh, to leave. What, what what happened? What'd you say about Kevin Durant? Oh, oh, oh. 
thought you, I thought you asked me something about Kevin Durant. My bad. I, I misheard heard you. Sorry. Hey, um, hey, let me let me let me see. Let me do this magic trick. I see it work once. Let me see if if it happened. Kevin Durant is not top five. Damn, he didn't show up. Okay. <laughs> Yes, if you yes. know, you know. <laughs> if you know, you know. Shout out to Low. And then uh, you know, I will say this. Um what is it? It's October twenty-sixth or October twenty-eighth. I think uh, yeah, October twenty-sixth. That's our first 26. game against the 26. Phoenix Suns. Yep. Yeah, so uh all right. Well hey, yo, so we'll I, see. I I have a question then. Mm-hmm. Because like that is so after after the Shaq era. You know, right. basically, there was a lull, right? There was, yeah, there was uh, 2005, six, and then the infamous 2007. And I right. kind of wanted to hit, I kind of wanted to hit on that point because, like, you said, like, what, what made him be better as a leader? But I also think, like, whatever happened 2007, actually, kind of like, like, it, because I, when I look at Kobe, I look like. He's hungry. He's hungry to be a champion. Like, I want to win. I want to win now. And that dynamic that happened in, in 2007 when he asked for a trade, I feel like that was like... Do you, you just imagine if that would have gone sideways? Well, I want to say this. And I want like, to rewind for a second. This, so Shaq is gone. Now... I'm going to be very open about this. I'm glad that we have Lakers guru here. We got King here. Um, That period of time after Shaq left, to me, correct me if I'm wrong, and Guru, you you have the the local SoCal perspective. I I was living in Northern California, but I was also like traveling to the East Coast a lot. But... I think Kobe was the most hated man in sports um, because you have a couple of things. And mind you, I think I'm going to just say this. I love Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant is the first athlete that I ever followed their career from first game to last game. I have a deep respect for for Kobe. Um, not only for what he accomplished on the court, but I think Kobe – is the definition of a person growing up, like really growing and maturing as a person. So I'm going to say that before I get into this part. But I'm going to hear from Guru first. I think Kobe was the most hated person in sports, at least in the league. You had He was still dealing with the, um, he was still like, you know, he still had the stain of, you know, his court case. He was dealing with that backlash. Um, also, you had the, you know, folks was blaming him for Shaq, uh, for Shaq leaving, okay? Also, there was something that was rumored for him to have said, which it kind of broke the bro code. If you know, you know, uh, during the whole Colorado situation about Shaq, uh, and that was leaked out around that time as well. Um, Guru... What was it like rooting for Kobe during that time, man? Man, let me tell you why you're spitting. Listen, let's give current 
um, precedent. All right. Yes, absolutely. Ben, ben, ben Simmons and, 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 and Sixers fans. Um, Kobe went through that worse and ate the shit and came out better. Air balls in the playoffs as the youngest player on the team, not one or two air balls, <laughs> not three. <laughs> four, four, four air balls. And then, you know, with the game hanging in the balance, right? After, you know, the Jazz been whooping your ass for the better part, you know, and then you have a chance to have that that finals matchup with, with Michael Jordan on the line, right? Ben Simmons, that whole not shooting thing or not making the shot, not being able to be counted on in the playoffs, Kobe went through that, ate it. Um, this, you know, uh, who, who else was the other thing? Um, uh, uh, being hated by your, listen, he was hated by his own fan base. Hated by players on the team, hated by people that didn't even follow the sport that closely. Because, like you mm-hmm. said, just kind of put put Shaq leaving all on him. You know, didn't even factor into Shaq's behavior or Doctor Buss's, um, you know, vision into any of that. It was just, oh, Kobe got him off the team. You know, no other context, right? Um, so, uh, yeah, that was the thing, and um, I remember. Um, you know, you, you mentioned the whole investigation thing with Shaq and what he said and all that stuff. I mean, there was just so much going on. Look, Kobe really didn't start passing the ball like that, I'd say, until maybe, man, I don't know. Like, he, he obviously passed it in the 3 peat years, but when Shaq was gone and he was on, going on his scoring bench, he kind of went back to rookie Kobe. You know, he kind of went back to gunning nonstop and you know like these guys suck so i'm gonna shoot that motherfucker every time you know um and so you know obviously people you know nobody likes a quote-unquote ball hog so you know the entire nba community just looked at him as a ball hog nothing more especially when the lakers weren't winning games and that that wasn't translating to wins yeah you know um and then you know you got him uh yes as as I feel the biggest Kobe fan that exists. Yes, I have no problem saying I have seen Kobe trick off entire quarters to prove a point. Yes, I have seen it. <laughs> yeah, did it. absolutely. It was just like no, like oh, you don't want me to shoot? Okay, you, right. you go ahead and shoot. But look, to, yeah, to, prematurity. To Kobe absolutely fans. did to that. Our... You're right, Rebel. Prematurity. Kobe absolutely, absolutely. trick off games. Exactly. Exactly. It's like nah, like nah. I, I'm gonna like he. It's like almost like he put he started a timer, and it was like <laughs> I'm not shooting for the next twenty minutes. Right. You guys got Let's, it. Let's y'all can win. <laughs> you, y'all can win. Y'all got it. Go ahead. Yeah. Give me this motherfucker. Give me this. It's five minutes uh, left. It's, it's five minutes left. All right. You want to win? Give me the damn ball then, and I'll yeah, do it exactly. in five minutes. Exactly. It's like wait, wait, wait. Hold on. I got ten. Five, four. Three, okay, I'll start shooting. It was almost like he right. did that. And and but look to our younger fans, younger listeners, when you know you um, have a reputation of shooting a lot, when just imagine you playing a, a pickup game on the schoolyard or at the gym. If you're double team and you like just toss the ball up, everyone knows you just say Kobe. 
like if you shoot the ball and they say your name, that's when you know you have the reputation. There's not one basketball court in this country that someone has uh, not yelled his name after just uh, while throwing up just like an improbable shot. Just not one court. I don't care if it's in Venice Beach or uh, Miami Beach uh, or Rucker Park. There's not one court in this country that someone has not yelled Kobe. Um, I will say this for the sake of transparency, and then we get to King. During that, when when Shaq got traded, I'm sorry, folks. I I was team Shaq. I I was root. There was a two year period <laughs> that I rooted for Miami. I was a like, a lot nah. of people left with Shaq. A lot of a lot of people. I, le- I left with that. Got redacted yes. for sure. A lot of people left with Shaq and and started rooting for Miami and wearing Wade yep. jerseys and all of that. Yep. Um, come on, man. You remember that Christmas game? That Chris. It was a home <laughs> game for the Lakers. Home game for the Lakers. And I'm telling you, there was a many people uh, rooting for Miami Heat and Shaq. Um, Dwayne Wade ended up taking over that game. But, uh, but King, you have an interesting perspective. You were living, you were living in Miami. Uh, you know, you was living in Miami during that time. How did people look at Shaq and Kobe? Or Shaq, I mean, there was no longer a duo. But how did they look at Kobe from Miami at that time? Um, the same way everybody else did. They say he he ran Shaq out of town. Uh, he's a snitch. All of this. That's all you were hearing, and they were happy. Like from my perspective, my whole household in Miami were all Heat fans. I was the only Laker fan. So all of the years before that, the three peat, um, us going to the to chip in '04, everything, or going at least going to the, the finals. Um, I was having fun. Yeah, it was it was all roses and dandy. Um, and then when Shaq got traded, we had those tough couple of years. Oh, I heard it from them. Um, and yeah, everybody in Miami, uh, they embraced Shaq. They loved him um, and hated Kobe uh, for basically the perception that he ran him out of town. Which, I mean, I guess it's half true. Um, but yeah. Uh, People people looked at Kobe a uh, totally different way, and I think they still do. Absolutely, absolutely. We got a, uh, I got a few more questions, and uh, you know we're gonna start wrapping this up in the next fifteen. But uh, but I want to ask you guys to start with Tony, the eighty-one point game. What's your memory of that game, Tony? Uh, <laughs> that that was um, that was pretty epic. I'm I'm not gonna lie, like. I, I I didn't know what um excuse me. So I I honestly did, did didn't know what to expect that game. Like for instance that that game I was like I thought well we're going to see probably a 20 point game from Kobe, we're going to probably see a 30 point game from Kobe. But once that first half happened, I'm like damn. Like it it I don't know, man. Like it's a sensation. Like it's basically goosebumps. It's like even saying it now, it kind of, it kind of like gives you like that 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 feeling. Like, bro, what we're, what what are we watching here? Like, and yeah, it's it's this thing where he's, uh, you know that that term, uh, the the immovable object. Yeah. 
yeah, like an an unstoppable force, an immovable object. That he was an unstoppable force, and he was an immovable object. Like he was like, I'm not gonna lose this. I'm not gonna. And and the thing is that they were trailing the entire. I think that they were trailing the entire game to a certain. I think until the third quarter, and then it's just like it was just relentless. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like my feeling. Um, it, it was weird because like again, uh, this stretch of Kobe, like I had to look at it. It was rare few times I had to look at it in terms of like real life, like watching it live. I had to rewatch it many, many, many times. So it's like, but it's it's pretty epic. I'm not gonna lie. Absolutely, it was it was pretty epic. Absolutely, I was living in, I was living in Pasadena, that eighty one point game. Uh, I believe it was on a Sunday. I remember just going out to to lunch with someone and then got back. Um, and it was like, oh, Kobe has fifty in the, early in the third, and it was like, what? And then just seeing the second half of that game, it's just like, oh, and like that's when I came back. That's when I came back. Um, it was like, okay, okay, I'm starting to like you again, Kobe. Not all the way. I'm starting to like you again. Guru, where were you? 81-point game. What's your memory of that? Where were you, and uh, what's your thoughts on that game? <laughs> you know what? Um, no one's ever asked me this, and I feel like I was going to go into it um, on a on a spaces at one point, but I don't think I ever did get a chance to. Mm-hmm. This is so interesting. Um, I don't know if I've ever said this live. I I did not see Kobe's 81-point game live. Okay. I actually missed that game. Uh. And I don't remember where I was or what I was doing. I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I may have had a commitment that I had to do, like, at a, at a local church. I think I was at a church service. Um... Uh, on Sunday evening and um, I get home I remember getting home around like 9 or so or maybe 8.30 yeah game would have been over by then because it was an early game okay it must have been like 8.30 then I know there was a few minutes left okay Um, the biggest Laker hater that I know oh that I knew at that time um, the biggest Laker hater that I knew at that time always used to give give me shit because he was a, a Jordan fan and a Bulls fan. Calls me with the utmost, ex- as excited as you will ever hear a Laker fan or a Kobe Bryant fan be, he was that excited as as a hater. Man, are you watching this? Are you watching this? And I'm like, what? What's going on? He's like, oh my God. He's like, Kobe got 77 points. I said, you're lying. And I turned on the game, like, literally just to see the end, and I could not believe that (laughs) I missed this. And obviously, since then, I've watched that game about 10 times, if not more. But but that, in real time, that's what was happening. I had to do something else that evening. We were horrible that year already. So, you know, um, you, you you never would think that, something like that is going to happen on a random Sunday night versus the Raptors. So I just remember being double booked. I didn't watch the game. Um, I was tired. And then the biggest hater that I knew called my line, literally sounding like a fan girl in, in prime fan girl mode. 
it it was it was beautiful actually. That that made it worth it. <laughs> that is funny. Yo, no, that's when Kobe started turning around a lot of the haters that particular night. Um I'm gonna uh King, where where were you? Um I probably was at like um well what that was in 06, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was um probably at like a ale house or something. Um, and, um, yeah, that, that was surreal. I, that's the emotion I would say. It was a surreal moment where it was like, you almost watching it. Uh, it almost reminds me of like LeBron's, um, when he, when he, when he passed Kareem, it's like, you're watching this and you're like, damn, is this really happening? Uh, cause he just was scoring and scoring and scoring. And at some point you're like, all right. He's gonna he's gonna start missing now because yeah he's made too many, and it's like nope, <laughs> 50, uh, 60. All right, he's gonna start passing. Um, some some Chris Mim or or Smush Park is about to get some buckets. Nope, 70, 80. It's like yo, okay. So yeah, it was a surreal moment for me, like just watching him continue to score, uh, and and pretty much like you said, turn the haters back into people who. Uh, I think everybody always um, respected him, but like just appreciate started back to appreciate Kobe. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Guru is Kobe the greatest Laker? Easily, easily. Yeah, yeah. There's there's nothing close there. Um, you know, Magic himself says that, and I don't have a problem with people that kind of, you know, grew up in Magic's era and saw him uh, and saw both of their careers nightly and, and, and say Magic for, you know, because, look, you can't, you know, weigh against what Magic did just for the entire sport. But um, for me, um, just, you know, Kobe, Kobe's overall skill level and just what he did on a nightly basis for that amount of time outweighs it. You know, maybe if we got to see you know, I think Magic would have been one of those guys that kind of played well, like late into a 15 plus year career without everything else that happened. But it didn't happen that way. So, you know, absolutely. I, I, think, I think it's Kobe going away. Absolutely. Um, what current players remind you of uh, Kobe, if any? Oh, man. Um <laughs> Um, man, there's, there's a few, um, you know, obviously Kobe himself gave the nod to Russ in terms of just the tenacity, right? And Russ showed more of that against us, you know, than he has recently. Um, but you know, against a as a thunder player against us. And so, yeah, I, I definitely saw it then. Um, just, you know, nobody really reminds me of him anymore in terms of his floor game. But so when I'm speaking, I'm speaking strictly on just approach, you know, Um, because I don't think there's anybody right now that kind of has that that floor game, that footwork, that repertoire, um, you know, uh, that ability just from anywhere on the court to get any shot, to make any difficult shot at at all and consistently, routinely. Um, You know, I felt like every close game, there was a period there where I felt like every close game, like, no matter what, we're going to win. He's going to do something to make sure we win in the end, you know. And, um, and yeah, I don't really get that 
feeling right now, but I will say just in terms of approach, um, man, I think, well, first of all, LeBron doing everything, you know, and, and, and breaking every record that needs to be broken. You know, it's, it's been fun to watch Kobe break all the records and then LeBron come right behind him and break all those records again. Um, that's been fun and, and break even more records. So that's been fun as a Laker fan um, to have that. Um, so, you know, obviously you have to put LeBron there just because I, I think what LeBron doesn't get enough credit for when you talk about approach is that, you know, we just say like, oh, he's he's the first guy to be able to be this good at this age. But there's actual work that even all the other greats that we know of, Jordan, Kobe, everybody, didn't do in regards to their bodies or just weren't blessed or gifted with that he has that kind of, you know, separates him and makes him go a little further. So so to me, you have to put him there because I don't know any other player 17 years plus into the league that kept working on their body this much as LeBron James. And, and people who say he doesn't have you know, that type of approach or mentality needs to look no further than just his, his preparation to even be able to play. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's probably the, the best thing I can say. Uh, I got three more questions and we're going to do a rapid fire. Um, what's, um, what's your favorite pair of Kobe sneakers? <laughs> I'm about to get cooked. <laughs> hey, <Uh-oh>. hey. <laughs> hey, man, I, dude. I think I think I'm with you on this take that you're about to have. <laughs> you know where I'm going to King, King. I I honestly, I could not tell. You could put a pair of Kobe's in front of me, and I couldn't tell you what version they were. I have never owned a pair of Kobe Bryant basketball shoes. And, and and yes, this is I, I remember uh I've been cooked for this before, like in real life by people that know me. Like mm-hmm. how you don't got a how you don't got a um a, a Kobe jersey, how you don't got a Kobe pair of shoes? And for whatever that's just not how I ever chose to express like what Your I felt about it. Yeah, my fandom. It was always in other ways. And so but, you know, I've never been a person into uh into kicks like that, but um, man, I I can't. I don't even know how to answer that. I'm getting nope. that. No one. problem. Not setting you up, King. <laughs> what's your favorite pair? What's your favorite pair of Kobe's? I only had one pair of Kobe's, and I like Guru said. I can't tell you if they're fours, fives, uh, protos. I don't know. It was a while ago that I had them. Um, my brother-in-law used to take my shoes and go play basketball, and he messed them up. And I was like, you know what? I'm good. I'm. I was a Jordan guy. Uh, as far as shoes go, but yeah. Um, now I like the Grinches. Uh, that's probably going to be the shoe that I go get. I think uh, for me, I think for me, I know I like of the Nikes, I like the Kobe 8s. I'm a sneakerhead. But to me, nothing will ever beat those the first time I saw the, the, the original Kobe's, the Adidas. Um... To me, that was always it. I think maybe because it's nostalgia to me as a kid. The ones that look like the space boots? Yes, the ones that look like the spaceship. It was just something different, and it always stood out to me, Um, especially, like, the white ones. The white ones was just like, oh, man, like, I love those. Uh, I think it's always unique. I think with the the Nike Kobe's, 
they were great for on the court, but they didn't really necessarily stand out. So that was always my issue with them. Um, but last, last, last Kobe question. Then we got another fun question afterwards. Guru, what's Kobe's legacy? Um, I think his legacy is, um, <laughs> I mean, I think his legacy is definitely one of the greatest to ever lace him up all time. Uh, and for me, I don't mind saying, you know, he's, he's the greatest player that my eyes have ever seen watch on a, you know, on a nightly basis. I, I, I've never seen anybody that can do the things on the basketball court that he can do or that he did. And so, um, so for me, his legacy is not only um, just, uh, you know, one of the greatest of all time, but then um, I think his story is, um, you know, just one of the most improved, like, uh, people, like off court um, of all time as well, because, you know, there was a lot, there was a lot of negative personality stuff uh, at an early age and, um, he kind of has shed that, um, you know, for the most part, kind of shed that. And, you know, you go into fatherhood and everything else that we kind of saw before his passing um, and all the teammates that come out now and say what they say. It wasn't like that at first. Um, he had to he had to earn that um, later in his career. And I think he did that. And so um, he's definitely he's, he's definitely, you know, the greatest Laker of all time. Tony, what's Kobe's legacy? Uh, I think probably top. Yeah, I think it's it's in, in my opinion he's like all time top five. Like that's just where I have it, and it could be, it could be you can have what whatever you have, but looking at what he has to go through, his career, what he did on the floor. It's just it's it's legendary, and I think his his and and to answer the question really, it's the mental aspect, the mama mentality. Like I think that's just it's ingrained now in basically every every Laker fan, every every player out out, out there that wants to win a championship, who wants to be an alpha. I think they have that. So, yeah, I think his legacy is going to be his work ethic. It's going to be what it took to basically be that great. So, so yeah. I think okay. when it comes to Kobe's legacy, I think he is the definition of like growing as a person. Um, and yeah, he's a definition of growing as a person. He did it. This is a person that he went from eight minutes. I mean, averaging eight points in his rookie year to scoring 81 points, uh, a person that was standoffish and kind of a loner to ultimately becoming the OG for the future generations. Um, I, I think his last tweet that he ever posted really represents him in a lot of ways where it was pretty much showing love to the next generation, but also saying the importance of pushing the game forward. I think Kobe Bryant left the game of basketball in a better place than when he first entered the game. Um, I would also say with Kobe, you know, he just continued to grow as a person, never settling, 
he was a person that he went straight from, he didn't go to college. He went straight from high school to the pros, but he always had an emphasis on learning your craft and I, and, and educating yourself. This is a person that was fluent in multiple languages. Um, he let learning be cool when a lot, you know, a lot of times in our culture, we act like that shit is corny, not Kobe. You know, this is a person that he studied page for page the referee's manual to so he could be able to get better at his game and learn the tricks. And, you know, uh, no one did that. That's the thing I love about Kobe. Um, so, yeah, he was one of one. Absolutely love Mamba. Um, and, yeah, we're going to continue to celebrate him. Uh, he's gone. Never will be forgotten. And yeah, I'm glad that we were able to have this conversation with you, uh, Guru. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, we do have one last question, and it's always a fun one. You know, we, um, you know, we because you know the Lakers weren't aren't just about basketball; it's about Showtime. We're in Hollywood, so we always ask our the last question we ask each of our guests is something that they're watching, like a TV show or movie. You know. With the rider strike, there's a whole bunch of uh, you know shows that we can catch up on on our watch list on on the different streaming platforms. But I want to do something a little different for you. Um, you know, in Hollywood, there's a you know we're kind of going through a period of ho- in Hollywood where there's like endless like remakes and reboots of movies and shows. So if you could pick a a buddy comedy movie that um that you and george carl uh could star in uh what movie you know what movie would would you guys uh would you guys uh do <laughs> that's a good question oh man um yeah well no we oh man we can't do oh man i'm thinking lethal weapon you know they got the classic danny look danny glover line like I'm too old for this shit. That would be, that might hit, but I don't know. I'm gonna go with, uh, I'm gonna go with, with uh, Rush Hour probably. Rush Hour. Rush Hour. Okay. All right. Rush Hour. Okay. I I can see Step Brothers for you guys. I can see <laughs> Step Brothers. You guys on the bunk beds. I I, I can see that for you guys. Um, oh, a special shout out to George Carl, who we did make a formal request to be to be a guest on our podcast and it, we got declined uh so special um you know sp- special shout out to you um you know um we wish you the worst um but anyway <laughs> uh guru man thank you so much uh you're a lifelong laker fan you're uh you're one of the funniest people on twitter uh shout out to late night lake show and man, I know you're going to be hosting some legendary spaces for this upcoming season. Uh, we truly appreciate you, man. And uh, please don't be a stranger. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate the invite, man. This has been fun. And, um, you know, again, thank you guys for having me, man. And uh, we'll see. We'll see y'all around for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, if uh, you're listening to this for the first time, please like, subscribe, all of that. Uh, we'll be back next week with episode eight, a very special, we're going to continue our Kobe Bryant tribute and be sure to follow us at purple gold mines on Twitter, 
IG, Threads, and YouTube, and also our playback, playback.tv backslash PGM Fan Cave. It's been one hell of an episode. Mamba, we love you. We're out.